An Escape, a work of fiction based on a true story. Part 3, A Bluff. We woke up before dawn, restless from the night's worries. The potential perils of our escape haunted our minds. We ate a dismal breakfast, then argued about our next move. In the dark, we hadn't noticed that we had camped in an old military site. It looked like a regiment had stayed there for a long time. Debris, machine gun emplacements, a kitchen, and a wooden command center littered the area. I searched for tank tracks but found none. Infantry, no doubt. Still, we had camped in a German military encampment. Should we stay or go, and if we go, which way? That was the question that divided us. I re-examined the site more carefully. It seemed old, maybe a year or more, and it looked like a training exercise, not a real battle. I doubted that the enemy would come back any time soon. We decided to check out the meadow where we had seen the supposed haystacks the night before. Maybe we could get a better view of the terrain. There, we realized we were in a mountain valley surrounded by high peaks. It was very unlikely that we would find the Allied lines that way. We agreed to go back down to the gravel road we had been marching on with the work gang. It had to lead somewhere. Bruce remembered seeing a cutoff on the road, not far from where we had escaped. We made that our next destination. It was a good choice. The side road looked unfit for the heavy German military equipment. It was narrow, steep, and extremely overgrown. No trucks could pass there. We turned up it. For a couple of hours, we slogged on, alert and cautious, scanning the surroundings for any surprises. We ran into three men around noon. They startled us, but they didn't look hostile. They wore ragged clothes and friendly smiles. We greeted them openly. They were happy to see us. They spoke little English, but we managed to communicate by pointing and by waving their hands. Very expressive men. They were former Italian soldiers, conscripted to work for the Nazis after Italy surrendered. Nearly 5,000 Italian soldiers were shipped to Dresden and forced to work in German oil refineries and munition plants. After intense Allied bombing, Dresden was destroyed in massive firestorms, and these three Italian friends escaped together during the ensuing turmoil. They had been hiding from the German patrols for over a year, just like us. They invited us to their camp with gestures and words. We followed them eagerly. Their camp was amazing. They had built a shelter with pine boughs and a stone fireplace. They had scrounged food from wherever they could. They shared their potatoes with us, baked in the hot coals. They tasted delicious and filling, unlike the prison camp food. They also built us our own shelter. 
a place where we could be warm, protected, and sheltered from the spring rains. They proved to be wonderful friends. Because of them, we slept well that night. Probably our best night since we had left England, so many eons ago. I woke up early the next morning and decided to explore the area. I always loved wandering in unknown forests. Maybe it was the Pennsylvania deer hunter in me. I also wanted to learn the lay of the land. I didn't worry about getting lost or running into a German patrol. I was too curious and adventurous. I found a forest trail east of the camp. It led me to a rustic hunting cabin. There I met Walter and his family. He was a forest ranger who had moved them to this isolated place to avoid the war. He spoke some English and showed me some maps. He had drawn lines with different colors, showing the movements of the military units. He tried to warn me about the dangers ahead. But I couldn't pay attention to the maps. I was distracted by the smell of his wife's baking. She made a coffee cake with a crumb topping. She offered me a slice. It was wonderful. The best thing I had tasted in a long time. I thanked them in broken German and hurried back to the camp. I told my buddies about the forester and his wonderful coffee cake. We rushed back to the cabin, but it was empty. They had left. Maybe Walter sensed trouble coming. Maybe he didn't trust me. I don't know. All I know is that the coffee cake was gone. There was no trace of it, no crumbs, no proof. We went back to our potatoes, but they had lost their charm. Life was good at the camp of our new Italian friends, but Walter's hand-drawn maps had given me an inkling about where the Allied lines lay, and the maps had awakened in me an urge to get back into the fight as soon as I could. I wanted to get back to the war, to do my part, to make a difference. Our Italian friends had no such desire. They wanted to stay as far away from the ongoing combat as they could. Once combat ended, they could go home back to their beloved city, Turin. In the meantime, they would remain where they were. They just wanted to survive and to go home. Their only concern was the potential of capture by the Russians. Italian soldiers who had been captured during the siege of Stalingrad had not been treated well. Many were executed on the spot rather than sent back to POW camps. Russo Cattivo. Russo Cattivo they often said, waving their arms for emphasis. I did not know Italian, but I knew what they wanted. They wanted a pass, carta, a piece of paper from the Americans that would allow them to go safely back home to their families and their own lives. That was all they asked in return for their incredible hospitality to us. 
it would prove, unfortunately, something that we would not be able to get for them. Not to get too far ahead in my story, I will share that our three Italian friends were taken as captives, not by the Russians, but by the Americans. However, they were treated as German POWs. A year after the war, I wrote to the Red Cross, asking about them. They searched their records and reported back to me that my three Italian friends had spent nearly two years in a prison camp before they were processed out and repatriated to Italy. I know that these events were not in my power to change, but nonetheless, I still feel like a promise had not been kept. Una carta was all they had wanted. We spent three days with our Italian friends at their camp. That was a day and a half longer than I wanted. I yearned to get back into the war. Unfortunately, our buddy Harold was suffering from what we later learned was malaria, and I did not want to leave him behind. Bruce came up with what we then believed was a plan. Now, 64 years later, I would call it an act of desperate insanity. Admittedly, we were only 20, were strongly patriotic, had trained for two years, and were motivated to do something. I use the word motivated. Embarrassed or chagrined would be more accurate. Our unit had been captured without a fight. We saw no German tanks, no infantry, no aerial bombardment. All during my captivity, it rankled me. I had not been allowed to fight. An officer in a jeep drove up and told us that the regiment had surrendered. That's not the kind of war I signed up for. Bruce and I wanted to cause some damage to our enemy. We wanted to prove our value as soldiers. Besides, we had time on our hands. We had to wait until Harold recovered enough to travel before we left the camp. So it was that Bruce and I decided that we would seek out the enemy and try to bluff our access to some weapons. After all, you can't fight a war without them. We would then comprise a clandestine squad, creating whatever havoc and damage that we could. The area that we were in was covered with former logging trails. From the camp of the Italians, if you went west for a mile and a half, you come to one that we had not yet explored. Unlike most of the trails in the area, this one had clearly discernible tire tracks. Some vehicles had taken it. We had found the enemy. It was mid-afternoon and the sun filtered through the heavy forest. We were creeping through the underbrush alongside the trail, maintaining our cover. Then, I saw the briefest of metallic flickers. Germany designated its military outfits with lapel-mounted patches that were made up of a great deal of metallic thread. I had caught reflected light from one such patch. We moved forward silently, a couple hundred more yards to where there was a small clearing. From the feeling in my stomach, I knew something was about to happen. Then, I glanced to my left and realized that I was fully exposed from that direction, totally exposed. My only thought was, we've come all of this way, and now I'm going to get it. My next thought was what to do about my position. I quickly dropped flat to my belly and motioned for Bruce to do the same. As I dropped, I made some noise, and I knew that my presence would be immediately detected. 
I did not know who or what was in that clearing. All I knew was that we did not have any weapons. I tried a bluff. One that I remembered from reading the Count of Monte Cristo. In a very loud voice, I shouted, Comrade! There was some noise in the clearing. Then I heard a deep voice responding, Ja, ja! It was clearly a German speaking. I shouted, Comrade! again. Unsure what response I would get. Then I hear a younger voice say, Americano, Rusky, comrades. I stood up and marched triumphantly into the clearing. 